Good morning, y'all. Happy Easter. This past year, since March of last year, I have done 40 funerals. You ask, why is that significant? Why would I mention that on Easter? Because over two-thirds of those funerals that I preached, I could not preach with confidence that the person that I was holding the funeral for would be able to experience the resurrection and the life. And that bothers, that burdens a pastor, knowing that the one who he is dealing with, the one who is there that the family is mourning over, and you hear the family saying, well, he or she's in a better place. And the only reason they say that is because they're searching for comfort at that moment. And as a pastor, true to my word, I have always shared the gospel at a funeral. There are some of you that are here today because you came to a funeral that I preached years ago. You heard the truth. Some of you have baptized after those funerals because you came to know the Lord. But there are way more who I know who will never experience the resurrection in a life because they never knew Christ. Easter for the Christian. Easter for the Christian is a day of joy and a day of celebration. Easter for the pagan world is filled with little eggs and really no meaning whatsoever. And some of you are going to go away going, well, Brother Tom said we shouldn't do that. No, I didn't say that. That shouldn't be your focus. The focus for the believer should be that this is the day that we mark that our Savior is alive. He is risen. But going back to these funerals, how hard and how tough it is to know that the person that you're dealing with, the person that is there, the one who that family is mourning over, you can't truly give them any hope. So you give them the only hope that you know, and that hope comes through Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, or your phone, or however you want to do it this morning, I'd appreciate it if you would turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is the first real time that we see Jesus declaring that he can raise the dead, that he is the one who actually gives life. He's going to use these words that were very powerful Back in his day, I'm afraid that they've lost a lot of meaning in our world today. We talk about the resurrection and those things, and people talk about that, but they really don't understand it. Jesus was talking about that he could raise someone up from a low death, a death state, and actually give them life. Just as God with Adam took dust of the ground. And the Bible says that he formed man. And what did he do? He breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. And Jesus is declaring that I who have come to you will breathe life 
But this life will be eternal. This life will be a life with hope and a life where the grave will not hold you. I've often shared, and you've heard me say this, on the day that Christ comes back, my church knows where I want to be, right? I want to be at the cemetery, right? Would that not be the most awesome thing you have ever experienced in your life? To be in the middle of a funeral, and the person being a believer, and Christ steps out on that cloud and the trumpet of God blows and the dead in Christ will rise. Can you imagine those attendees at that funeral when that casket is blown wide open and that body is brought up to meet the Lord in the air? And then those of us who remain, those of us who are believers, the Bible says, what will happen at that moment? We will be called together to meet him in the air. And then all that will be standing around that casket will be asking themselves, did we not go to church? Did we not attend Easter and Christmas? Did we not attend weddings and funerals? We've been in church. We we, we believe that God is real. Where have these people gone? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man what? Comes to the Father, except by me. John chapter 24. We're going to have you stand one more time with us as we read from God's word. John chapter, or not 24, excuse me, John chapter 11. I have to go back. John chapter 11, beginning with, we just lost me. There we go. Try it right there, and I'll try not to move. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was what Mary, who it was Mary that uh, anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So we already know there's a relationship here with Christ and this family. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I don't know about you, but when I find out somebody's sick, the first thing I want to do is try to contact them, right? You want to reach out to them. And what is Jesus doing? He's hanging back for two more days. Doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. I love that part. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. 
Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his uh, fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I'm sorry, let's go back to 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask, yes, of God. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming or who has come into the world. Father, we ask this morning that you speak through your word. That all the distractions that are going on, everything else happening here today, God, that you, Lord, still, we give this time to you. This is your moment. We celebrate what you have done. Lord, help us to see that you are the only hope on this Easter Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So here's Lazarus. He's a friend of Christ. He is sick. Jesus mentions the word sleep. And by the way, as you read the New Testament, Paul adopts that same word for death. Every time that he speaks of someone dying, the Christian dying, he mentions them as being asleep in Jesus. Jesus describes Lazarus as sleeping, and the disciples think, well, then why are we going up to see him? He will just get well. And Jesus here was speaking of his death, and he says, no, listen, Lazarus is dead. And what Jesus says next would shock anyone walking with him. He says, and I am glad. I am glad that he is dead. I am glad that this has happened. No, read it again. He says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. They would have wanted him to do what? To heal him while he was still alive. He says, this way you will believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who's called the twin, and I love Thomas. Thomas always asks those good questions. We call him Doubting Thomas because he asked, Lord, how can we get there and all those other things? And then he also, you know, how do we know if, if, unless we touch your hands and all these other things? We, we call him Doubting Thomas, but really... Thomas always asked the right questions. He said, let us go that we may die with him. He's quite confused as to what's actually happening, and so were the other disciples. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, there's a part, if you keep reading, when Jesus tells him to open the tomb, what does one of the sisters say? Do you remember? Lord... It's going to stink if we open this tomb, right? Jesus wasn't worried about that. Martha comes to him in an accusatory way and said, had you been here? Had you been here? And aren't you glad Jesus is the one talking to her? Because he is very gracious in how he speaks to her. And he says, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will 
rise again. If you're here today and you are a believer, you are a born-again believer, you are one who has actually entrusted yourself to Christ, you have given yourself over to the only hope you know, your sinfulness, your ugliness, your unrighteousness, you have said to God, this is all I have. And I receive your son's gift to replace all of my filth with forgiveness. If that's you today, I've got good news. You also will rise again. Death is not final. I have had the privilege of preaching a number of funerals for fellow believers in this church. And in doing so, I have witnessed some of the most awesome moments in all of my ministry. I have watched husbands reach over in a casket, give their spouse a kiss on the forehead and say these words, I will see you in a little while. And the people don't understand why is that spouse not broken up? What, what is the matter with that person? Because they have hope. They have hope that they will see once again their loved one, that Jesus himself will raise her up from the dead. I have watched a husband do this many times. I've watched some of our wives here that are in this room, some of our widows. You've done the same for your husband. You saw him in that casket, but you knew that that was not his final destination. Folks, for the believer, we have hope because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes, they took him. Yes, they beat him. Yes, they put him upon a cross. They nailed his hands and his feet. He breathed his last. But it is not finished. Remember, what kind of tomb did they put him in? What kind? It was a borrowed tomb. He only needed it for about two and a half days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Sunday morning early, the Bible says that he rose. What about us? What about us in this place? What about those of you that are sitting here? If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. So you and I literally upon this earth must experience a death like Christ experienced upon the cross. Now we physically will not die the same way. But we must die to self. We must die to sin. We must die to our own way. I know many, many people, if I were to ask right here today in this very place, are you a good person? Your answer would be very clear to me. Yeah, I'm a good person. And my answer back to you is the Bible says that there is none good, no, not one. None who seek after righteousness. So today if you come because... And you come in with confidence because of your goodness. Let me tell you, you will die in that same confidence. 
hopeless, helpless, because we are not good. We must die to our own attempts at holiness. We must die at our own attempts, to our own attempts at righteousness and at religion. I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know, in my church, we do this. Folks, in the Baptist church, I don't care if you're Baptist or not. I don't care if you've been dunked 21 times. If your faith has not been put in Christ, you are lost. No church saves you. No baptism saves you. Nothing but Christ alone is what saves us. When we are saved, we die to that sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If this is us, if this is who we are, our hope is in Christ and our assurance comes even after death. I remember Mrs. Orn. Many of you remember Mrs. Orn, Brother Fred, still there in the nursing home. And, but I remember Mrs. Orn and in her last days, she called me in. She said, Brother Tom, I want to talk to you. And I went in and I sat down with Ms. Zorn. She said, Tom, I'm ready to go. Quit praying for me to get better. I'm ready to go. Folks, that's confidence, is it not? That is someone who absolutely knew her situation with Christ. She knew that her faith was in Christ, she knew that her death was temporary. And she knew that she was ready to be with the Lord. My wife and I have had the privilege of holding the hands of those who have gone on before us, watching them take their last breath. And many of them, as they take that last breath, they die with the biggest smile on their face you've ever seen. Why? Because that last breath brought them to a place of where they wanted to be the whole time. You see, they understood John 14, 6. When Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Today we celebrate what is recorded in John chapter 24. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Is that not amazing? Can you imagine the the thought process that was going through their mind when they walk into this tomb and there's nobody there? They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Can the church say amen?
Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary and mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Now, the apostles were those who had been with Christ. That's how you were an apostle. You had to actually have been with him in the ministry. It says, and their words seemed to be to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. If you're here today, and you think that all of the religions are the same, you're not a Christian. You see, in order to be a Christian, the only way to be a Christian is to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. A lot of people try to tell you, well, you know, God is, it's the same God with every religion. They just view Jesus differently. Then they're lost. And God's not the same God in every religion. We trust in a God who gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We trust in the God who put his own son upon a cross to take our pain, our shame. He took our sin. We trust in a God who not only put his son on the cross but gave his son the power to rise again. So let's go back for a moment as we close. Let's go back for a moment to those funerals that I've done. What will I say at your funeral? What will I say at yours? They were a good person. No, I can't say that. The Bible says none are righteous, no, not one. I remember one time I had a fellow tell me, you're going to preach at my funeral one day. And I said, well, what am I going to say about you? And he says, it won't matter. I'll be dead. And I'll tell him, I said, no, it's going to matter a lot. If you think that death is just death, no, no, no. Death is just the beginning of the next phase of your forever life. You see, if I believe in eternal heaven, I must believe also in an eternal what? Hell. So if I'm at your funeral, I pray that I can come with confidence and read these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18 says, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. <clears throat> I won't get into a lot of detail, but I buried a young man about 17 years old a few years ago. And his mother came up to me before the funeral. And she said, please tell me that my son is in heaven. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I, I didn't know your son. Unfortunately for me, I get a lot of funerals that I don't know the people. 
I said, ma'am, I don't, I don't, I didn't know your son. I, I can't tell you whether your son is in heaven or hell. I, I don't know anything about him. Well, what do I need to do to make sure that he's in heaven? Some of the hardest words you ever have to tell somebody who's lost a child are these words. Ma'am, there is nothing that you can do. When he breathed his last breath, that was that. I have watched the world mourn without hope. The church does not mourn without hope. Some of you have not been the same since you lost your spouse. But if your spouse is in heaven and your spouse is with God, why continue to weep? Go back and read this, 1 Thessalonians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This last verse is important for us today. This last verse should change how we mourn when our loved ones pass who are in Christ. This last verse says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. If you mourn as though you have no hope, Either you don't know the word of God or you don't know Christ. We come with confidence. I will tell you, though, that I had a preacher one time come up to me and say, Tom, I can guarantee you how you will make it when Christ comes back that you will be in the cemetery. And I said, how's that? He said, well, if you die, right? If you're going, you get to experience it. I said, well, yeah, but that kind of defeats my purpose. I want to actually be there alive to watch it happen. But more than anything, what I really want, I want to be able to stand at your graveside with confidence and tell the people this. This is simply see you later. Because his body may be in the ground, but he is in the presence of the Lord at this very moment. She is with Jesus, her Savior, at this very moment. That's what confidence I as a pastor want to have at your funeral. It's not our religion, folks. It's not our goodness. It is Christ alone. Father, we thank you that you, without a doubt, are our only hope. You have given us your son. You have given us a resurrected Savior who we celebrate today. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for being our God and our King and giving us resurrection and life. 
we celebrate Jesus today, the risen King. In Christ's name we pray, amen.